We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is, uh, he's not here, he might be joining us uh, soon enough, we'll, we'll see about that, but I, I, it, it's important, because this is an important episode. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly, however, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, where it's one of our fun commentaries, something completely different, and this is something completely different, this is our, uh, it's the return, it's the return of our summer movie gamble. It took a year off for obvious reasons, but now since summer movies are back, so are we with this very high stakes, <laughs> very intense competition between uh, myself and Abe, as well as many frequent guests on the program. Um, and so here we are with Summer Movie Gamble 9-Rise of Summer. That's right. It's here. And we're taking on the world this year. And I'm going to get into all of that. But first, I'll get into our guests who are joining me today for this fun breakdown of our predictions for the summer, as well as our... Uh, just a, just a general preview of what's to come as far as the movie's being released in the next few months here. So, joining me we have from Lenoir Artur, he's aware the Candyman can, it's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> Honestly, that was not what I thought you were going to use for an intro, so that's very funny. <laughs> but hi, everybody. <laughs> also joining us from Why So Blue, the devil made him do it, it's Peter Paris. Sorry, I put myself on mute. <laughs> hey, everybody, how's it going? <laughs> All is well. And lastly, joining us from Forbes, his new legacy begins now. It's Scott Mendelson. I believe I can fly. No, you can't. You can't sing that anymore. That's not allowed. But it's still a really good song. It's been it's been canceled. You can't sing that song. Ah, darn it. You gotta sing the, whatever the new one is that comes out. <laughs> I think a, I think the baby released a track actually for the Space Jam 2 soundtrack. So you know, get ready. Lil Baby. Lil Baby? Sorry, not Duh Baby. Lil Baby and Kirk Franklin. I just listened to that song this morning. Oh, you're, bu- good. you're bumping it? Good, okay. I gotta, I gotta catch up. Uh, but g- good to have you guys here. How are you all doing this evening? I'm doing well. Good, good. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm fine. Good. <laughs> that's what I, that's what, I know. I know you're locked in. You're locked in because of this very important competition that we have between all of us. Uh, where we're going to predict what we think are going to be the 10 highest grossing films of the summer. Now, in previous years... The previous years we've done this, we focused entirely on the domestic box office, which has always been a lot of good fun. Some might say even too easy, despite none of us ever getting them dead on. Uh, but <laughs> for a variety of reasons, uh, one being that I think the domestic box office totals will just be a little bit lower this year. I figured why not increase the challenge by making it a worldwide box office competition? Uh, by that I mean uh, Scott, Terrence, Peter... <laughs> and I, along with many others, we've all predicted what we think are going to be not only the highest 10 grossing films in America, but in the entire damn world during the period of summer. Um, so we we all have locked in 10 choices, as well as three dark horses. I'm going to go over the rules or whatnot as we get into this. And this is what we think are going to be the films that dominate the summer in terms of the box office. Uh, however damaging that might be. I'm curious how high some of these numbers might go, just given the way or the state of things. Uh, but there should be some interesting results, so we'll see. Um, so what we're going to do here, I'll, I'll go over the rules real quick, it's just like how it basically works, and then we can get into like what all our predictions are. We can just kind of read through the lists. Um, and then we can just uh, talk about our picks, but also talk about just the, the summer movie season in general, what movies are coming out, what we're looking forward to, uh, what we think is going to make money, <laughs> and uh, go from there. Um, so just to... Uh, 
to to go over these rules real quick. Basically, so as I've as I've stated, we picked the top ten films of the summer. We picked three dark horse picks. Basically, what that means is while we do have ten films that we are all basically secure with as far as what we think are going to make the most money, we have three additional picks that seem like possibilities, like seem like movies that might actually squeak their way in. Like if if it's not one of these ten, it might be one of these three that actually that ends up also making it into the the final. Uh, total of the highest grossing films um from there there's an elaborate scoring system that i save for we can talk about that more when we get to our results show but basically getting the number one and number 10 slot exactly correct gets you the most points uh getting everything else if you get it dead on you get a number of points if you get it like one spot away from where it actually landed you get a certain number of points it's all very easy math but sounds more complicated than it is uh but yeah that's what we've done here um with that in mind uh yeah this is going to be uh, i keep saying intense competition but there's really n- there's absolutely nothing we can do about it's <laughs> like we've already locked in choices uh the movies are going to come out they're going to make what they make and we're just going to kind of go from there but with that said because i want to let others talk um let's uh, just get into what what our picks are uh for the not picks are what our picks for the movie for the summer are uh as far as these top tens go in our dark horses uh, so let's uh, let's uh, Peter. Let's start with you. What what are your top ten picks for the for the summer gamble? I'm going to do uh, ten to one. Yeah, go ten to one. Then your dark horses. Okay. So just just list them, or actually yeah, like just, just talk list. With... Yeah, we don't need any color right now. We'll get we'll get into that after. So we can just get through all these. Okay. So uh, my ten is Conjuring Three, Candyman, Jungle Cruise, Space Jam Two, In the Heights. Quiet Place 2, The Suicide Squad, Shang-Chi, Black Widow, and then number one, Fast 9. Okay. Uh, oh, and then my, oh, yeah, and then dark, my dark Horse? Yeah. Dark Horse, Escape Room, Free Guy, Stillwater. All right. Scott, how about you? Why don't you go through your picks? In order, descending order, Boss Baby, Family Business, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, A Quiet Place, Part 2, In the Heights, Transylvania, Transformania, The Suicide Squad, Jungle Cruise, Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and F9, The Fast Saga. With my three dark horses, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Cruella, and Peter Rabbit, The Runaway. Okay, thank you for that very animated recording of your your thoughts there. Uh, Terrence, why don't you go through yours? Yeah, this is about to be real dry compared to that. <laughs> um, my 10 uh, so got Conjuring 3, In the Heights, A Quiet Place 2, Hotel Transylvania 4, I'm seeing here, that's the fourth one, um, Space Jam 2, Cruella, Shang-Chi, Jungle Cruise, Black Widow, and Fast 9. And my dark horses are Paw Patrol, Candyman, and Malignant. Okay. Uh, my picks are Space Jam 2, A New Legacy, In the Heights, Hotel Transylvania, Transformania, A Quiet Place Part 2, Cruella, The Suicide Squad, Jungle Cruise, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, Black Widow, and F9, colon, The Fast Saga. And, of course, my dark horse picks, we have Peter Rabbit, The Runaway, the conjuring the devil made me do it and free guy so we've gone through our our picks here (laughs) 
I, I'm not going to, because 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 there's no real reason to read all these pics. It's not like people listening are going to be like, oh, i got to write all these down. Uh, I will like post this on the Facebook page as far as the, the official uh, leaderboard uh, for all of us. But just know, yeah, we all have a lot of pics, and they're all mostly the same movies. I'll go through Abe's real quick, since Abe's not here, but he might join us. But Abe, uh, he has Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, uh, Quiet Place 2, Cruella, In the Heights, Suicide Squad, Hotel Transylvania 4, Shang-Chi, Black Widow, Jungle Cruise, F9, and his Dark Horse picks are The Conjuring, Space Jam, and Free Guy. So, again, lots of, you know, repetition, obviously, and that runs, that's a pretty big running theme. Uh, but, yeah, I will I will put this, uh, I will post this up on the uh, on the Facebook page so you can kind of see and play along and submit your own uh, top tens if you'd like to. It's always fun to hear what listeners have to say about what they think are going to be the biggest grossing films this summer. Um, but let's uh, let's get into it. Let's let's talk about these movies, uh, why we think they're gonna make uh, some you know a chunk of change this summer. Let's start with the one that we all have predicted at number uh, number one here uh, for the most part. Actually, every almost every single person competing in this competition, and there are currently I think 17 people in this competition. Um, everyone except yeah. everyone except one. Uh, has F9 the Fast Saga. Adam Gentry, friend of the show, of course, has Shang-Chi as his number one. He's thinking that might make a sneaky move to the top. Um, but with that said, F9, we all think that's going to be number one. What what is, the, what is the logic there? I mean, I think for me the logic is that it's just timed really well, and it has, I think, from a marketing and from a like social media presence, I feel like we have all been, I mean, I guess if you're like a movie fan or whatever, we've all been really aware that like um, Justin Lin and Vin Diesel have really wanted, you know, the Fast Nine, the Fast and Furious experience to be, you know, a return to the big screen. This has been a big thing for, it feels like, you know, the past 14 months or something. So it sort of feels like it. I will say though, what's weird to me, it is, I think it is interesting that we've all picked this. It is interesting because Scott, you will be able to correct me, but I don't think a fast movie has ever actually been the number one movie of the summer. It usually has a huge weekend and it does well, um, you know, and because we, we are talking globally. But I don't know if it has ever been number one. But for some reason, I am betting the placement, like when it's coming, which is you know, it's like end of June, I think. And, middle June. and the exposure, the exposure, because because, yeah, I can see a Marvel movie, but that's my take is it's the exposure and the timing. Peter, the reason that that's never been number one is because Furious 7, the biggest of these opened in April um, and didn't, I believe, did, uh, did Fate of the Furious open in April as well? Scott? Yes, it did. Yeah. The, yes. so, which are the two biggest movies. But even then, yeah, we haven't... even then, they're also the biggest, like they're big worldwide, like domestically. Yes. Fat Furious 7 made a ton domestically for sure, but. Uh, the worldwide grosses are far more impressive than the domestic grosses of these films. Scott, do you have more? Oh, yeah, hold on. I'll be right back. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> I'll jump in here. Sure. Yeah, I, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the reason I think it's going to be number one, it has the strongest brand recognition, I think even stronger than a character who, spoiler alert, was killed off in the movie the last time we saw her. Um, although, technically... There was a character that's killed off in this franchise that is coming back. But that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> it just, these movies appeal to a big global audience, and that's why I put it number one. It is a movie that, you know, among our list, making this list was actually really hard in the sense it's like, what is going to, like, drive people to get out of their houses to go see something? And it's like Fast and 
Furious movies, you want to see them on the big screen because of how ridiculous they are and the stunts that they're going to pull off. And you like, you want to see that on a big screen in a loud theater with other people. And so that's why it, to me, felt like a surefire number one. Scott, what do you want to add? Uh, well, yes, everything you all have said is correct. The film opened this week in China, Russia, South Korea and parts of the Middle East. It's already made $69 million worldwide, including $59 million in China. And of what's opening this summer, it's by far the biggest Hollywood franchise in China. And even though they're, you know, in normal times, Black Widow likely would have made more domestically and would have made, done well in China without well, maybe doing half of what Furious 9 might do right now, China's recovered. So a film like Furious 9 doing best case scenario business in China is a lot more money than Black Widow doing best case scenario business in China. And conversely, whatever's going to happen in North America, and that's a big open question, you know, Black, um, so comparatively speaking, Black Widow doing okay in North America, but kicking ass in China is still going to end up far lower globally than something like Fast 9, you know, making half, 75% of what it would have in North America. Because remember, Fat, Furious, uh, Fate of the Furious made 229 domestic. Uh, Fast and Furious 6 did 238 domestic. Um, Hobbs and Shaw did 175. Uh, Furious 7 was the exception to the rule, partially because of, quite frankly, the publicity around Paul Walker's untimely demise. Uh, that film did three... 53 domestic and 392 in China. But then Fate of the Furious also did 392 in China. Uh, this franchise is bigger than any Hollywood franchise in China, with the exception of the standalone Avengers pictures. Mm -hmm. So really, I mean, in terms of what's out this summer, and keep in mind, a lot of big deal films that were supposed to open this summer got moved. Jurassic World, Dominion, The Batman, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Matrix 4, etc., etc., etc. You know, of what's left, basically, it's it's Fast 9, and with a couple exceptions, you know, Black Widow, Chang-Chi, and maybe Surprise, versus everything else, which is all playing on a much smaller plane. So it's no contest. Mm -hmm. So the to get into this, to go, to move on to like some of the next picks yes. here, I, I will note that because we're doing a worldwide, um, you know, uh, gamble this year, it's basically like this thing started last week when I asked everybody to have their picks submitted, and it's gonna we're gonna go. Usually we end on Labor Day. We're gonna go a few weeks past it just because Shang Chi opens on Labor Day weekend because Marvel just likes you know setting <laughs> obscure holiday weekends and and making them new record holders. Um, so we're going to, so that's going to have basically an opportunity to make a good chunk of money before we end this thing, which is going to be a couple weeks into September. Uh, partially because we started the summer gamble late this year because there wasn't any like huge movies opening in May, uh, like at the beginning of May, like the normally is. So we just kind of adjusted. Uh, but that does mean that, yeah, it's going to, it, we're just counting understandably not every country gets every movie at the same time, although most of these big blockbusters tend to get them around the same time. So regardless, it's going to be the money that's earned between basically last week and three weeks into September. With that in mind, we do all have Shang-Chi somewhere on our list. I, um, to start, I will say I, I was at odds of like how much money I like, I had to like look at some numbers more intently than I usually do to think like, 
how much money can you make in three weeks versus an entire summer? And, you know, for a Marvel movie or just any like giant movie that has a lot of attention, you, yeah, you make a good sizable amount of money around the world if in, uh, in three weeks time. So like I kept bouncing Shang-Chi up higher and higher. So now I have it currently at number three. Um, I, I am very curious, like if it's like the, I think like the, um, the, 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 the reliability of the Marvel brand, I think is going to be a, you know, a big factor. I don't think that's hard to deny. So it just makes me wonder if it's going to take off in the same way that something like Black Panther or Cap or uh, Captain Marvel did, given, you know, just the, the nature of having, you know, Asian and Asian American, you know, lead characters making up the population of the cast, much like having obviously black actors, let alone, uh, you know, a female superhero lead, if, if you know, if it's going to play that same way. Um, I know you guys also have Shang-Chi in various spots on your list. Where 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 are you thinking with these? Peter, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I have it at number three. You know, looking back on this, I probably, because I put Black Widow at number two, I, I think I probably should have flopped them or put Black Widow more near the back. One, one thing I'm not sure about is that, like, I think it's like Cruella, Black Widow, and a few others. They're doing that like Disney premiere access and in theaters. I'm not quite sure how that's going to level out. But if I'm right, Shang-Chi is not that, right? It is that we know it's only in theaters. As of now, it's only in theaters. Right. I don't see see that changing. So yeah. So I can't, um, I can't imagine Shang-Chi not being in the top five. I mean, Honestly, me putting three is a little arbitrary, but like I'm I'm pretty sure, especially because you said, yeah, especially with blockbusters usually being somewhat front loaded. If we're giving three weeks to see how it does, I I would assume because there's a lot of I think there's a lot of precedent for those weird Labor Day end of summer movies that like do pretty well. No, there right? isn't. They do terrible on Labor Day. <laughs> that's, that's generally what happens. <laughs> Wait. Well, okay, maybe I'm saying Labor Day, but I'm I'm trying to think. I feel like there's a lot of August titles that always do way uh, better. There, than there's the August is different. The beginning of August. Yeah, the beginning of August. Yeah, that's you know, correct. Sorry, yeah. Um, Labor Day. But, besides, like it and it even it didn't did it even open on Labor Day? Or did it did it open like a week, week after, after Labor Day? Yeah, that's what I figured. Week after, which was frankly a box office dead zone before Warner Brothers went and made it, you know, the horror weekend of choice and. Without getting off into a tangent, Warner Brothers is good at that, at finding off-season weekends and, you know, hitting the bullseye. That's that's not to say that Labor Day is impossible for any movie to break through because it's Marvel. I would assume that whatever yeah. weekend it opens, it's going to make money. Uh, yeah, yeah I think that's, Terrence. the tough thing about Labor Day is, you know, for people who follow sports, that's sort of like a – not only is it like a big holiday weekend for a lot of people, but it's also when the college football season kicks off. And traditionally, you know, you get one major game, but now like ESPN and Fox have combined to take over that whole weekend, like even on Sunday, because it's the only Sunday that the NFL isn't on. So it's like there are there are factors as to why people might have other things to do on Labor Day weekend rather than going to see a movie. I do think. Well, I mean, Terrence, Disney owns ESPN and Fox. They could, they, it's just all ads for Shang-Chi during the, during the game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they literally had a, a Star Wars-themed baseball night, which was raggedy, the day after they had a Marvel baseball night, which was foolish. Um, <laughs> so lots of, you know, lots of branding opportunities there. But yeah, I think it'll make a lot of money. I think it's hard right now to see 
what like the momentum for that movie. That's the only reason why I think Black Widow has more of a just the name recognition of the character and the popularity of that character is why I picked it to gross more. You know, with like Black Panther and even Captain Marvel or like Wonder Woman to an extent, it's like I had a feeling for like the groundswell that was going to lead people to go see that movie. And right now I do not feel that for Shang-Chi. You know, it might just be because, you know, we're all still trying to survive the pandemic. Um, So, you know, maybe towards later in the summer, it will have that build. But like you knew Black Panther was going to do numbers just by how people were talking about it and the excitement that's building up. So that's, that's why I know it'll be high because it's Marvel, but it was tough to go any higher, higher than like four. I don't want to say the the actors are like lesser than or whatnot, but I do wonder if the you know, I I personally I don't know much about Simi Liu. Like I don't I don't know his body of work offhand. Like I and I I I can say the same about a lot of the what seems to be like I you know obviously we know Aquafina, but she's not the star. She's just in it, and we you know Tony Lung. I'm a huge fan of, but it's not like the general like. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I, yeah. by comparison, you have. You have, you know, all very famous black people start in Black Panther. Um, you, you had Brie Larson, an Oscar-winning actress starring yeah. in Captain Marvel. I, I do wonder, this again feels like it's going to be, a, a, even like with something like Obscure, like Guardians of the Galaxy, had a lot of recognizable people in it at that time. Like people that are already fairly well recognized. Obviously, yes, it extends to American audiences. Again, I don't know if there's a bigger fandom for some of the people that are featured in uh, Shang-Chi that I may realize, but offhand, by comparison, and again, like you're saying, Terrence, by the end of the summer, there could be a lot more attention and what have you that's really built this whole thing up, but I just wonder if that's going to play a factor in getting this to make, you know, to, to be in that, uh, you know, be in the realm of Black Panther or Captain Marvel compared to something like Ant-Man or Doctor Strange, which make money, but are certainly on a smaller scale. You know, well, I, I'd like to say, um, if I could, like, one thing, I mean, I agree with what you guys are saying about, obviously, someone as big as, um, Brie Larson, uh, even having more of a cachet than uh, Simu Liu. I will say, I, I actually have watched all the seasons of Kim's Convenience, and uh-huh. I was a fan before he was cast um, in the Marvel movie. And one thing that I thought was kind of odd about the trailer, and it sort of makes sense because you have Aquafina in the trailer, is that he's a pretty charming actor. And so, I mean, I'm not saying he's like Robert Downey Jr., but like, when I was looking forward to the trailer, I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity to, like, show how kind of charming and witty this actor is. And they don't really do that. They kind of rely on Aquafina to be the more like, ah, she's kind of funny. And then he's more just, like, doing the action stuff, which I felt like was a missed opportunity. Although I, I haven't seen I, it's a, I'd argue so. it's a teaser. Like, that's... You know, oh, I mean, that I'd, say, I'd say that I'd say the same about Chadwick Boseman in the first Black Panther trailer. It doesn't emphasize Chadwick Boseman as the man. It emphasizes the fact that he's in it. But look at all these other people. Like, Correct. It, right. And I think that's a Marvel strategy in general. Depending on the tone of the film or what have you, you know, it's going to give you a certain image to kind of connect to before it gives you more of like, and this is what it's really about. With, you know, more dialogue, more story stuff, or whatnot. Totally. But we're going a lot on shit. There's so many other things. Um, I guess we should talk about... Let's just talk about all the Disney stuff, apparently, since we have a lot of Disney movies in the, in the top ten here. But uh, Black Widow... Uh, I mean, despite us having certain thoughts on Black Widow as far as, yes, it stars a character that's since died in the Marvel Universe, so, like, how far does the story really go? We do all mostly have it at, like, number two or number three. Uh, what, uh, I, are we going on the fact that, well, it's 
one of the one of the Avengers in her own movie, and it's just a Marvel, so why not? Is that what we're thinking? It's been marketed yes. for a year. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say Black Widow, F9, and if it was opening, No Time to Die have felt like these things that have been marketed so much that we've been seeing for the past year. So that alone, I think my only thing with Black Widow, like I said, though, is the whole the Disney premiere. I don't know how much that may or may not affect its actual numbers. When does when does Black Widow come out? Black Widow comes July out July 9th. July 9th. Yes. Um, well, I, I think the issue and this goes to Shang-Chi as well, is that because you know, most of the other films opening this summer are films and or parts of franchises that would be thrilled with three to four hundred million worldwide in non-COVID times. And theoretically, because we're still in a pandemic in many places of the world, including America, those films aren't going to do as well as they might have done in normal times, along with the shifting theatrical windows, HBO Max, PVOD, Disney Premier Access, et cetera, et cetera. Now, having said that, in normal times, a movie like Black Widow or Jing-Chi would probably be a pretty even bet for, even if it wasn't terribly embraced, six to $800 million worldwide. So you knock that down by half because of the circumstances, and that's still, you know, three, four, five hundred million, which is better than the best case scenario of almost everything else in contention. So it's not so much that these films are breathlessly anticipated. It's that pretty much everything that might have challenged Marvel slash you know Marvel for the crown, you know, as you said, no time to die, the Batman, yada yada yada, they got out of dodge. They're not in this summer. They're opening either the end of this year or sometime next year. So by default, even a heavily compromised Marvel movie is still, you know, even money to be among the top, the biggest movies of the summer, Mm -hmm. just by the sheer amount of what it would normally be expected to make versus what its competition would normally be expected to make. Well, let's start going through, let's start going through like the sun, like uh, we'll get to like our picks as we go along here. So let's kind of go chronologically through what's coming out. Um, th- this week was kind of, you know, it's Army of the Dead on Netflix and like a bunch of smaller stuff, so it's not really much to, <laughs> much to scoff at. We've already, we already passed by Spiral, which I think was in one person's Dark Horses, I want to say. Um, that no, it was in Adam's top ten. That that's not gonna, that's not gonna pan out. I don't think. Sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> Adam. Game over. Um, but uh, moving into next week, we have Cruella and A Quiet Place Part Two. Um, one film that it falls into the it's been coming out for over a year and now it's finally coming out and then Cruella which was always planned for this date if I'm not mistaken right yes yeah so yes. good on them for making that work out um, both of these films I believe are in almost all of our top 10 Scott you have it as your dark horse uh, for Cruella oh, Peter you don't have it at all never mind <laughs> uh, <laughs> half of us have it in our top 10 <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, what what is it about Cruella? I I mean I I've been I've been very curious as to what these movies that aren't you know 90s nostalgia treats um can uh, deliver for an audience. That said, 101 Dalmatians is like one of the biggest movies of all time, and so like that brand certainly has an appeal. Uh, and I guess we're gonna we're gonna find out if you know audiences want to see just this origin story. Um, and whether or not Emma Stone is the person that can guide that to like a giant box office win. But Terrence, you have it fairly high on your list. What do you think of Cruella? 
Yeah, I'm looking at it, and I didn't realize I have it that high, so now I'm worried. Um, <laughs> I The reason why my reasoning for having it up there was just that, you know, Disney has really, really pushed all of these reimaginings of their classics, and this one, you know, even has a different feel than all of the rest. When mm-hmm. Whether I think this is a reason to see a movie is, is not, but everybody talking about it's like Disney's Joker. To me, that would send me running away from the theater. (laughs) Um, But to audiences that got the Joker to a billion dollars, it might send them running to it. Um, I just think that there's a lot there that could go well for them. It also feels like a movie that would do really good business on Disney premiere. So like, even though it is getting that, it's like, okay, I can see a family ponying up the $30 to watch that, right? It's got this actress that they like. She's wearing fun clothes. And then it's like Emma Thompson is there for the adults. Um, you know, and then Cruella de Vil is, you know, a top five Disney villain of all time. Um, that sounds accurate. You know, I'd, in my mind, in my mind, she might be a top 10. But, you know, overall, she's probably a top <laughs> five. Um so yeah, that's why I thought it would be successful. But well, I think what, what, what do we got? Down. We got our we got our Corella, we got our what our Scar, our our Maleficent, Corella, Star, Maleficent, obviously Ursula, Ursula, Frollo, Gas Gaston, Jafar, Jafar. Yeah, she might in my Corella is top ten. The 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 evil witch. She didn't have a name. That mother. And don't forget Professor Radigan, the world's greatest criminal mind. Oh, yeah, obviously. I love the great mouth. He, he's, um, so, he's so good he gets two villain songs. Yes. yes. He I deserved mean, them both. <laughs> that's a, it's, like, it's like, we got price, guys. Like, let's let's put him to work. Yeah. Our, our studio's going bankrupt, but, you know, we can make this happen. <laughs> yeah, I think another reason why I had it this high is, like, once I got to number four like once i did my top four i was like what has the most brand recognition or what is in a genre that i feel is like like pandemic proof Uh you know that's probably why a lot of us have horror films in our list it's why like two of my dark horses were horror films because i'm like all right horror is going to make money regardless and then for this i was like well disney it's cruella you know it's this reimagining maybe that will keep it um, afloat. Well, speaking of which, let's talk about the horrors. Let's talk about A Quiet Place Part 2, which also opens uh, in theaters only uh, that week. This was a movie that was going to come out last March, right? And then it got moved like, I think like five times total at this point. Um, and so now it's finally hitting, and I mean, Scott, I think you can talk about this as far as a breakout as far as far a breakout sequel goes. What do you, what do you think of A Quiet Place 2? Well, um... First of all, I, I, the reviews are positive, and from, you know, and again, this is an anecdote that may mean absolutely nothing, but Fandango has reported this morning that the pre-sale, advanced ticket sales, are a week out, are double what they were a week out back in March of 2020, right before the release was pulled. At that point in time, the film was tracking at around $60 million for a domestic opening weekend, which is slightly above the $50 million opening of A Quiet Place 1 in April of 2018. Now, 
with the understanding that there's probably going to be a COVID curve. Not every, you know, a lot of theaters are closed. A lot of theaters have capacity issues. And a lot of theaters aren't open all day. They're only open from like four to 10 or whatever. Um, but that being said, this is an example of a film that's only going to be in theaters for at least the first month and a half, uh, which is the first biggie that's only been in theaters for more than like two and a half weeks since Tenet. It is a well-reviewed... I mean, like Godzilla vs. Kong's been, it's still in theaters. Well, but, but it was on HBO Max concurrently. Fair. Oh, oh, only in theater. Okay, I see what you're saying. It's right. only in theaters for the first 45 days. Fair enough. Um, and, um, sorry. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a well-liked, well-reviewed so far sequel to a well-liked, well-reviewed original. The, you know, and under normal circumstances, there'd be no reason not to expect it to flirt with the 188 domestic slash 338 worldwide global team of the first film. So the question is, you know, especially in North America, because that's where we've got the tracking right now, are the people that want to see this film a year and a half ago that are able to see this film because theaters are open and they're financially sound and yada, 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 are they going to still take the trek to do so? So far, we have evidence to suggest that they might. Now, I'm not saying the film's going to open with $60 million, but I am saying that, you know, two months ago, Godzilla v. Kong did about as well as would have been expected in North America, even had it opened in non-COVID times. And there is a chance, with everything else going right, that A Quiet Place could do about as well, give or take, as it might have been expected to do in March of 2020, which means a very big opening weekend, but with more front-loading because it's a sequel. And It's also a holiday weekend. It's also, yes, it's a holiday weekend, a family-friendly holiday weekend, because while the films are quite, you know, bruised for army and nature, they're, they're still PG-13. Yeah, they're crowd-pleasing. They're PG-13 pictures. Um, and there's no evidence to suggest that people are going to be less inclined to see a horror film because of the traumas of the last year. If anything, they'll be more likely to indulge in a vicarious you know, call it what you will, you know, you know, stare into the abyss in a healthy manner. And there's going to be a lot of horror films this summer. That's what most of the franchises are. And that's because they're cheap enough that they don't have to break records in order to be profitable. And because, again, I think there is a hope that people will be willing to indulge in horror films despite the world around them or because of the world around them in a way that perhaps other bigger, splashier genres might have struggled a little bit. And the idea that horror films, high-concept, franchise-friendly horror films, are, along with live-action musicals and superhero films and franchise cartoons, still considered worth going to see in theaters, even in a streaming VOD era. Well, let's keep talking about that a bit, because let's move on to next week. We'll talk about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, because that's a film that uh, is, at least in most of the lists here, it's one of my dark horses. Um, I, I'm curious about this one, because Conjuring 2 came out in 2013, but obviously we've had five spinoff movies since, the, yeah, three Annabelles, a nun, and uh, that other yeah. one. Yeah. What's that? The Conjuring, <laughs> uh, the Conjuring 2. Conjuring is there another one? What am I thinking? There's three. There's three Annabelles and a nun. Is there something else I'm missing? Well, Crooked Man has not been made yet. 
Well, your own is not officially <laughs> part of it. That's the other oh, one. yeah, yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Warner Brothers will yell at us if we count it as one of the Conjuring movies. They'll, they'll send a nun painting to our house just to taunt us. Yes, they will. Uh, Terrence, you're a big Conjuring guy, aren't you? I love the first one. Mm-hmm. And the second one is good. Are you looking forward to a third one? <laughs> um, yeah, because they... Yes, and I'm, I'm glad that they changed the setting. I think following the, the same, you know family um for the sequel was not as effective as it could have been um i think that at least with this franchise like the conjuring people went to see annabelle they went to see the nun and so it's like people are comfortable it's not like insidious where i feel like the insidious spinoffs or the insidious sequels didn't quite do as well and so i think people will be ready to see the conjuring it's a, it's a name brand at this point it's a name brand um, i think that like that based on a true story thing actually like plays well for a franchise like this for whatever reason yeah and i think general people know who ed and lorraine warren are mm-hmm. you know they're amityville horror was a gajillion years ago but those two have they're, stayed fresh i mean they're, the they're still thing. making amityville horror movies so i mean clearly yeah. it's yeah. something so. i mean the first amityville horror adjusted for inflation is one of the biggest r-rated horror movies ever made not surprising oh. that's why you keep doing it yeah. you did like 86 million in like 1979 or something um sorry i interrupted you carry on no that was the end of that thought i think it's gonna well, be well yeah i mean uh, my, my general thought was well Conjuring 2, like, it did about the same as Conjuring, if not, is it a little lower? Like, but even... a couple bucks. But even regardless, it's like, but The Nun made, like, a shit ton of money, so I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, what am I supposed to do with that information? So I I guess I just have to think Conjuring, like... total nonsense. It it was nonsense, but like, my thought now is like, well, how does that factor into, like, the rest of this? So I, because I have it as a dark horse, which be, but I am fairly certain it's going to make money, but it's also like, is there much buzz behind? Like, I don't watch enough TV to know if like our. Like, when is our, it opening? It opens June fourth, so it opens like two weeks from now. Like, mm-hmm. it's opening pretty soon. But I, so I, I, but I can't really feel the excitement in the air for a third Conjuring like I can for certain other movies. So I'm just, and but then again, I don't, I don't watch much TV as far as commercials go. So I, I don't know if like, or like you know, sports events or whatnot that have a lot of movie commercials or what. Like, I don't know if it's been like flooding the airwaves in a way that's been like, oh man, Conjuring Three's happening. Like, I don't know what that atmosphere is. Peter, are you are you That's frothing? A, are you frothing for Conjuring Three? You know, I I um I'm I'm hoping con- I've heard. I mean, I think I've heard it's okay. Um, but I I I do like the Conjuring uh movies, and I I like I like the Conjuring universe and stuff. You know, it made my top ten, literally ten. I I definitely agree with what what you guys have been saying about. I think there's 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 always, especially once people start going back to movies i think horror films are are greatly gonna benefit from that so i can't see how a brand like conjuring 3 wouldn't i don't think it's going to be close to like again i didn't pick it as high as um quiet place 2 um because i think i also feel like as much as i like the conjuring universe i do feel like look it's been so many movies like i guess i do feel that it's got to be waning by now, and I do not understand how the nun did so well. I mean, well, beyond the thing. like it, I, you, you think yeah, it's I mean, waning, but like the nun made a bunch, but then what? Annabelle comes home was like a come down, right, Scott? Yeah, it like, was. Yeah. It did about uh, 
227 worldwide. Uh-huh. But still, on a $27 million budget. Yeah, they're cheap movies. Like, in terms of profitability, yeah, right. yes, no one's complaining. No one's, arguing, no one's going home being like, well, we didn't make enough. Like, they did their job. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I can't. So I guess I feel like I, yeah, I feel like Conjuring is still going to do pretty well. I mean, it might not be top 10. I might be wrong. It might be like 15 or 14 or something. But I'm, I'm still betting that, yeah, I think there's enough of enough of enough there that people want to go and be scared in theaters here here's know. the thing saying you know it might be top 10 but we have no idea <laughs> like, this is such a like beyond well, sure. like, beyond course, thinking yeah. like the marvel movies will make money there is a lot of wild cards as far as what's going to like be successful not just based on the appeal of these things but the fact that the world is the way it is which is why i thought the worldwide thing would be a fun way to go this year but it's uh I, I have no idea. Like, like Terrence, you're saying you might have Cruella too high. I don't know. I like maybe it's huge. Maybe it does amazing, and it's like even higher than you expect it to be. Maybe Black yeah, Widow completely dive bombs. I have no idea what to expect. Uh, well, let me ask. And not that I wish that on a on a movie, but if Black Widow did poorly, I wouldn't be too sad. This picking this group of films was so hard because I was like, I just gotta go with like Fast and the Furious. I know is gonna make money. Then yeah. it was like Marvel horror things that families might like so like a hotel transylvania i didn't even know they were on the fourth movie let alone <laughs> yeah, that it was coming out this year. But i was like but i was like people are gonna see that because they still make money and so it's also yeah, the, it's it's the only animated movie coming out this summer that's the other thing like yeah. in theaters <laughs> yeah because sons of guns sold mitchell machines to netflix and because disney's like you know what these pixar movies that win us the most oscars and make 800 million dollars at it you know for original ideas fuck it we'll put that on disney plus for free like (laughs) we don't don't need that in theaters (laughs) can i ask yeah um what now are you guys uh, like i feel like i put something like in the heights as a I wasn't sure how I was rating that. Is that just like a movie that everyone would go see? But it Good looks segue. like a lot of you, a lot of you also picked like that movie. Were any of you thinking of this because of what was the Hugh Jackman one that did really? Oh, Greatest Showman. That movie did so much better than any of us thought. Do are we thinking that's part of what's going maybe going on with? Well, I, this is that is so disrespectful. <laughs> as as a fan. Of, as somebody who saw the original Broadway production of In the Heights and who does not like The Greatest Showman, the fact that that is the comparison point is... Oh, no, 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 look. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of John Chu. Well, I'm a fan of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of The Greatest Showman. I'm just talking about audiences. That's all I mean by that. Yeah, it's, it's a, not it's everything big. you ever wanted and everything you ever needed right in front yeah. of you. <laughs> oh, God. It was The Greatest Show. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it's a big, it's a big <laughs> musical. It's... <laughs> It's starring, you know, a whole bunch of Latino actors. You know, that community is really excited to see. That's one that I was like, okay, I can see where this is tracking. It's got a lot of good reviews. And it just is a big, bright, you know, splashy musical. It's the first, and it's the first one I think we've gotten in this year that we're going to get like 10. Um, You know, so so, you get to be first out of the gate. It's the first live action musical since Cats. <laughs> okay, so so th- this Lin-Manuel is me. Does not um, this. I <laughs> I um I I I would not use Greatest Showman as a comparison point just because that movie was such a slow burner as far as it had to build yeah. its way up to being the the hit that it was. 
Um, this would be more akin to something like Mamma Mia, as far as like a movie that was yes. like instantly successful being a musical that's different from everything else around it. That'd be my comparison point. Now, I don't think it's going to make Mamma Mia money, um, or at least Mamma Mia won money, because that's like, what, $600 million or something like that, Scott? Yeah, like that's, it, that's more than Iron Man. Yeah, it's crazy. But Mamma Mia 2, which I don't know offhand. $325? But... <laughs> that seems more feasible, uh, which is why I have it fairly yeah. low in my uh, in my my, um, my, my, uh, my my top 10 here. But I do I do think everything you, you've said, uh, Terrence, like that tracks, yes, it's, you know, you, you have a specific a specific demographic you have a specific group that's you know being focused on it's a broadway show that was a hit it's coming out now it has big it, it looks it looks fun I, i'm going i'm trying to i'm not going to the fact that i've seen some of these movies but like I, just from the outside <laughs> from the outside of it just as far as like what you're showing yes. you in the marketing this looks like a thing you'd want to see in a big screen because it has huge it has a lot of scale it, it's big and bright and colorful it's coming out in the summer it looks like it's representing the sense of fun that you want to go to in a theater by and like warner brothers knows how to market this kind of thing so Things are pointing in its favor as far as success. Whether or not that makes it a huge global success, I'm very curious about. I'm curious if there's an interest that extends around the world in the way that it would in you know certain parts of the world. Well, my big question for this, and you know, domestically, I think it's going to be very successful. I think it's going to play a lot like, you know, pardon the cliche, something like Crazy Rich Asians or Girls Trip, where it was both a demographically specific event movie. Mm-hmm. And a very appealing, crowd-pleasing, old-school studio genre film that was just as appealing to grown-ups that wonder why Hollywood never makes movies like that anymore. Having said that, my big question is whether or not it goes bonkers in China. And because there is a history, of recent history, of films that are, you know, the Fast Furious films, Coco, um, that are foreign films to Chinese audiences because they don't start Chinese people um, that deal with, you know, family and community as this overriding concern that usurps all else. Um, it's the kind of film that stereotypically speaking has done very well in China over the last several years. And the fact that it's good, the fact that, again, it doesn't star a bunch of uh, Asian American and or Chinese actors. So it won't be like, you know, Tuesday to China. You know, pardon the Street Fighter reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but domestically, I think it's going to do very well. Is there a concern in the back of my mind that it might be a case of, you know, online fandom not translating general audience interest? Yes. but Plus it's on HBO Max entirely, at the same time. Yes. That's not an entirely rational fear. But that's something that's always in the back of my head because we've seen it happen enough times to where, you know, film Twitter thinks it's the greatest thing ever made, but general audiences are like, okay, it's fine. It's a movie, whatever. But no, uh, as Aaron, as Aaron said, Warner brothers is very good at marketing unconventional blockbusters as big Deadpool. You got to see this in theaters events, gravity, American sniper, magic, Mike, the great Gatsby. Um, Yeah. The great Gatsby, which I think Um, is another good comparison point for a movie like this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, barring a, a fluke, I think In the Heights will be a hit. It's just a question of how big of a hit. And yeah, you know, live-action musicals are still considered worth going out to the theaters to see. You know, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, because it still kind of feels like an event. You know, going out to the theater to see a show. We're going to see The Greatest Showman for the eighth time. All right. You know, uh, well, we got to move forward. We gotta, <laughs> we, we've covered June. 
almost. We've covered half of June. <laughs> um, uh, as, as far as what's coming out next, let's see. The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife, that's on June 16th. I think some of us might have that as a dark horse. I, I, I don't expect that to make a, you know, a truckload of money. But it'll probably be like a solid hit for Lionsgate. Can you state that? Can you state what you said the title was again? The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what I said the first time. Play the tape. Um, yeah, I definitely think we when we play these tapes back, I think you swap them. Well, I, you know, the, the things happen sometimes. You, 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 you know, <laughs> the headphones, you know, you get on your ears. You might not hear things all the way crazy. Let's see the Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. Let's see, the hitman's bodyguard's wife. Let's see, after <laughs> June 18th. I'm glad that this is what stuck out to you. <laughs> That's the thing you needed to correct. <laughs> um, um, June 18th, we have a couple net... Well, we have Pixar's Luca, which is going straight to Disney+. Plus. But we have Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Um, we've already kind of addressed the fact that it's, uh, you know, one of the... It's a, it's a family film, uh, or at least a... A film that skews to a younger audience and generally families. It's only in theaters, if I'm not mistaken, because it's Sony. So Correct. yeah, it wouldn't not do that. The first one was huge, like 300, right? 300 million for like a spring release. 350 on a 50 million dollar budget. Plus 125 from a uh, excuse me, 100. Well, yeah, I think 110, 125 from a 25 million dollar opening. Yeah, in the you know, if I like comparing Black Panther to Titanic, in which case Peter Rabbit was the wedding singer. It was one of the few that 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 stood out, um, but yeah, I mean, I under normal circumstances, no, I don't think it'd be one of the biggest movies in the summer. But again, you're dealing to a with a sequel to a well liked movie that made that vastly overperformed, and yes, you're going to lose some audience due to the folks really curious the first time factor, and you're going to lose some audience because. Maybe the first film played is a four, more four-quadrant picture because you had older audiences that liked the source material, but the sequel is just going to be a kid's flick. But again, by default, because there's not a, that much else out, especially in the realm of family films, you know, animation, you know, in this case, li- animation, live-action hybrids, do you, do you by think, default. Uh, do you, do you, well, Pix, Luca already had this date, right? Because Peter Rabbit's also, the, it's yes. the same day. But Peter Pix- Rabbit's moved dates like 10,000 times. Yeah, so I'm curious. Even by COVID standards, it's insane. I'm curious why I chose this date, because usually it's something that pick that like Disney would do just to like spite other animation studios, like pick the same date but make it a date, uh, yeah. you know, at release, uh, home release. Honestly, I'm release. not, I'm not sure, because they had it dated at July 2nd, which right after Minions moved from this summer to next summer, and they were thinking, you know, we'll be the big family movie of July 4th weekend. That makes sense to the me. Only even, I, even, like, can... even like now, yeah. like it could have come out this weekend. Yeah. It's like there's nothing big in theaters. Um, like this would have been a, a yeah. you know a good ideal time, but uh, I don't know. Uh, the only thing I can think of, and this is pure speculation, is there was a point in time where they were going to move Peter Rabbit to June 18th, and then move something else big like uh, Cinderella, which ended up going to Amazon, mm-hmm. or Ghostbusters Afterlife, and move that into early, you know, the big July 4th slot. Obviously, that didn't happen, so I don't know what the thinking was. All right. Well, Peter Rabbit, that's coming out then. What's next? Yeah. Uh, F- uh, Fast and Furious is uh, Fast and Furious. The F nine. <laughs> Jesus, titles. Uh, that's June twenty fifth. We talked about that already. Um, so now we get to July. Um, let's see. July opens with the Forever Purge, which I don't think any of us have in our dark horses or anything. It'll be a hit. And it'll be thrilled with a hundred million. Have the other like did the the, the last one like yes. do that well? 
Yes. Like, I assume worldwide, they're, like, I assume, I know they're profitable because they cost, like, yeah. $3, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah uh, they just I tell the cast, you know, make a mask yourself, come to come to set, and we'll just shoot you causing mayhem, and then we're good. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's, if it does, especially on a COVID curve, if it does 60, they'll be thrilled. Okay. If it does 100 million, they'll be ecstatic. So there's that, and there's the Tomorrow War, which is going to Amazon now, but that seems like a yep. lot of money they spent on a thing that's going to not play as well. Um, let's see. We talked about Black Widow. That's July 9th. Uh, that takes us all the way to July 16th, where we were going to have Cinderella, but that's on Amazon now as well. We have Escape Room 2, which has moved, I think, like a bunch of times also. Um, oh yes yeah um and i know uh peter you have that in your uh your dark horses but the real the real elephant in the room on july 16th is of course space jam a new legacy mainly because i don't think any of us have any idea what space jam 2 is gonna do at the box office <laughs> <laughs> like is this movie is this popular is, is lebron as big of a thing as michael jordan was probably not is the fact that warner brothers ip is all over this thing gonna make that more appealing or less appealing do looney tunes count for anything anymore outside of america what what is the answer to any of these questions tara do you have any thoughts on space jam 2 i put it like number right in the six. Middle. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it'll do numbers. It's high gloss, tons of characters people know about, you know, like the Droogs from uh, Clockwork Orange. Everybody is so excited to see them in this <laughs> film. Um, <laughs> it's also it's got you know LeBron is I when, as as a Lakers fan uh, I was like, will this be more successful if we win the title? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that is a real question I have um, because it theoretically could be coming out after LeBron wins another championship. That'd be something. Um, That'd be something wild to see how the box office gets affected by a, a win for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. No, they're going to get a pitched. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I think it's got enough to be successful. I also would not be shocked if it bombed like yeah. epic. Right. I would not be surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know, is this a genuinely a multi-generational nostalgia event with a combination of old IP and modern, in this case, LeBron as opposed to Jordan? Um, or is this yet another IP for the sake of IP, a sequel that nobody asked for, frankly, including the studio, because this has been, Le you know, all due respect, this has been LeBron James trying to make this happen for 10 years. Uh, maybe not 10 years, but it's been a while. And, you know, it, it ends up being a Space Jam movie, for better or worse, and nobody gives a damn. And and I think it's very indicative of where Hollywood is now versus 25 years ago. I don't think the first Space Jam is a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. I saw it once on opening weekend, barely given another thought, save for periodic, you know, half-paying-attention rewatches. Having said that, in a world where it opened alongside you know, Ransom and Michael and Jerry Maguire, and as well as, you know, Star Trek First Contact and, you know, Mars Attacks. Space Jam was a strange movie. It was an unusual concept. Yes, it was it was very mercenary in nature. It was a glorified advertisement for Nike, but it was still a, a strange and unique film that stood out in the marketplace. 25 years later, every movie Space Jam. Every movie is a 
kids' movie for adults that's a desperate IP exploitation baking on nostalgia that may or may not exist. And in a pop culture that forces grown men and women to pretend that they still care about the crap that they watched when they were in middle school. And yes, that, that's me being very cynical. Having said that, maybe there is an audience for it. I don't know. I put it in my dark horse because it really is a coin toss. And it is. It's a coin toss. I don't know. I hope they didn't spend more than, you know, after taxes and rebates and all that jazz, $90 million on it. Because I, I, I do think there's a risk. But the first film only, you know, only made $240 million back in 1996, which was a lot in 1996. But again, we're only a movie that made less than $300 million. And unlike something like Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, it is not a movie that's going to be, well, even if you don't like Space Jam, this still looks appealing. If you don't like Space Jam, there's nothing for you here. So, yeah, it's my big question mark of the summer, for better or worse. Peter, any Space Jam thoughts? Do you care? Are you a Space Jam head? Did you have the you know, I, Monstars jersey? I, no, I didn't care for the first Space Jam a billion years ago. However, I will say uh, my girlfriend big fan i mean she doesn't think it's a, a masterpiece or anything but she really likes the ip so she's looking forward to it and that you know the nostalgia thing i'm always like eh, the people who grew up in the you know the the 90s 2000 maybe yeah it very much is wild it absolutely could be a flop like terrence was uh was saying but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a huge hit yeah i'm honestly i, I have no idea <laughs> yeah i I have a number 10. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what space jam money looks like in this day and age. So I, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the biggest wild card I have on this list as far as like having no idea where it's going to end up. Um, so yeah, but moving on, uh, to more conventional areas, uh, to some degree, we have hotel Transylvania, Transformania, this series has only gotten bigger as the years have gone on, but obviously things are different as far as theaters go right now. But that, you know, we keep mentioning this as far as like how COVID plays an effect. As the months continue, things are only going to get better, question or quotation marks, I guess, as, <laughs> as far as how frequently people might be attending things, let alone how much, of the, I don't know, vaccines and what have you take hold and people get back to a more normal routine, uh, like, by the by, yeah, well, I think if, by, if, by July 23rd compared to May, like, do you think more people are going to the movies? Yeah, because if you look at us here in California, it's like June 15th, we're all set loose uh-huh. Uh-huh. back on the world. Like, there's it, like we're gonna we're going to like zero restrictions, zero capacity limits. Um, so you know, it definitely. I think you know we talked about Shang Chi a little earlier, but I definitely think that might help that. Yeah. If like the summer movie season shifts back several weeks in terms of a buildup which would suck you know for me having cruella number five but you know i think that'll definitely help the stuff in july by july you know i think people will really be going sure i that's kind of where my head's at also i just you know you never know at this point <laughs> the way the way people act about things but that said this is the worldwide box office so i don't know if that you know with china already being like just good in general it, 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 yeah, by comparison about the worldwide okay yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not as as hurt about cruella yeah okay. i mean that's you, thank you for giving me that that <laughs> for sure but um i don't know how, what else to say about hotel transylvania scott i mean they've all done better than the last right like do you think that yes carries um over? they've actually and this is shocking to me 
all three films were actually, well, both sequels were each leggier in North America than their respective predecessor, which is astonishing to me when you consider that sequels are almost always more front-loaded just by design because you have more built-up, you know, uh, anticipation that, it, you know, more of the, the demand is met much faster. To, um, to narrow this question down a bit more, just because we can keep moving, I guess my, my main thought on Hills of Transylvania is Adam Sandler doesn't come back for this one. Do you think that makes a difference? I think it makes a small difference, but I do think that the kids that like this series like it for the characters. Mm-hmm. The parents who like this series like it because their kids enjoy it and there's stuff for them to enjoy as well. But I do think there may be a small adult demographic that thought of these as animated Happy Madison pictures that when you don't add Adam Sandler, or I think I don't think Kevin James is coming back either, um, that you do lose a little bit of the, well, okay, now there's nothing for me anymore. I don't think it's a deal breaker, but I think it might hurt a little bit. But again, these films are, you know, $80 million a pop. And the last one, you know, they made $1.3 billion over three movies. This one only makes, you know, two fifty. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, in a different year, I, I might have Hotel Transylvania higher. I know I had three fairly high, I think, when that, I think I got, might have got a dead on when it, like, was last out. But, you know, now it's a little difficult to to see it doing as much, but it's also the only animated film coming out. So I can't, I like, I have to think yeah. that that counts for something. Um, and you know, some do Abe has it in number five. Adam has a number three, Jim, Mark, Marcus, they all have it at a fairly in number four spot. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that this could be <clears throat> doing fairly well. And I think, you know, the odds are in its favor of at least, you know, making the top 10 for sure. So, um, can I, yeah. um, I've never seen these movies are, I mean, I'm assuming at least Scott, maybe Terrence also. Are they good? <laughs> or are they, are they the classic I, Aaron? It's no. A, I mean... Um, I have seen the first one. I thought the first one was fine. <laughs> yeah. It was bad. As someone that did not, doesn't generally like most of Adam Sandler's broad comedies, I thought the first one was fine. I thought the second one was actually very good. I was surprised how much I enjoyed the second one. The third one didn't do much for me. It's this. We don't need to talk about Hotel Transylvania too much. Like it's just like I really like Jendi Tartowski, and I really want him to see see him do other things that were like, you know, not just TV stuff that's amazing, but like get some films going. And the fact that he's been anchored to this franchise has been like, well, he's I, I'm sure he's he's making that money, but he's not even on this one anymore. He made he did this. He has no. He's no. not directing it. He just has like a story and producer credit this time around. So, you know. Anyway, there's other things opening this date. Uh, one is M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Um, there's a few Dark Horse um, thoughts that this might do pretty well. I Shyamalan's kind of a give or take these days, right? And I don't think, you know, it's not like he has Bruce Willis in his back pocket to help this thing make a bunch of money. So I don't know what Old's prospects really are beyond if the premise works and people like it, then it will do okay. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's especially on a COVID curve, if it does as well as The Visit, which did $98 million on a $5 million budget in 2015, then all parties will be content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, you know, no matter, you know, <laughs> no matter how disappointed I am by the next one, I still maintain hope the next time out. Because, damn it, every once in a while, it gives me the... Every time I think I'm out, he makes The Visit. Um, well... Okay. So, <laughs> I I uh-huh. think if 
I don't think that first trailer did it any favors, to be honest. Like when I heard the premise or like the log line, I was like, okay, this could at least be interesting. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, what? Well, it was a lightning fast Super Bowl spot. Yeah. And it was, it, but it didn't even like, it didn't get you to settle into the dread that like people were age, uh, some people were aging and others were not, you know? And like, yeah. that's like the key part of the movie. So I'm, I don't know. I hope it's good because I root for M. Night. You know, he's given us a lot of good stuff. And then he gave us some really bad stuff. But, you know, we don't have to dwell on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I hope he can find it. Yeah, I, I, would, I would second that in that, like, I'm, I'm always kind of rooting for M. Night. Um, and when I heard about this movie... It made me think of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in the sense of like, oh, it's M. Night doing a movie where he is he is um, is he fighting? He's struggling with revel re relevancy. And like, that's what the movie's about. And then I saw the trailer and I was like, well, I get of course it's going to be super literal like that. But eh. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. But again, I mean, it was a quick Super Bowl thing. Like, I'm hoping it's better than what we have yeah we have a ways to go as far as getting more going on old the other thing opening on july 23rd is snake eyes um there there are <laughs> there are um some dark horse predictions that snake eyes could be doing well i uh you know i just point people to the last time a ninja movie did well at the box office uh, that's a trick question because ninja movies don't do well at the box office <laughs> <laughs> um I, uh, I I I got nothing for this. I the GI Joe Other movies. Than Ninja uh, yes, you're right. The the Ninja Turtles have done well. Even no, then, no, I, I didn't even even, even then, like the the the, the 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 what the last Ninja Turtles movie like bombed after the first yeah. like it fell into your, your yeah. Tomb Raider trap, right, Scott? Exactly. No, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. I was literally thinking about any blockbuster Ninja movies, and you're right, I none come to mind. Yeah, because uh, it's so funny. I'm not even well. thinking of it that way, although. You know, you guys are right. Obviously, that's the brand. But, I mean, I'm sitting here right now in the background. I'm playing off Voodoo. I'm playing my uh, Last Christmas because I, I like I like Henry Golding. So, to me, that's the draw. Um, and it might – it could also be a, a being Asian and wanting to see Asians, like especially male Asians, like get to be movie stars and stuff. Um, so, in that way, I'm like, yes. But, I mean, no, it didn't It didn't make my top ten or anything. I have a simple, I have a simple question. For all of you, do people care about GI Joes? Nope. No. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. No, Joe. Yeah. So, and this is coming from somebody who enjoyed the first one, who thought You're the here. second one was not a complete waste of my life at the movies. But like, an origin story for the character that does not speak. Like, yes, he's going to talk in the movie, but like. I, I, who, who cares? <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's a classic example of IP exploitation, not because the audiences want it, but because the shareholders demand it. Yeah, because like for me, I'm just like, are children these days still playing with GI Joes? Do they have a show? No. Like, who is this for? No, I mean, at least Ninja Turtles, you know, is around. Is around, yeah, <laughs> like it exists. Yeah. Yeah, so snake guys. Um, let's move on to July 30th, where we get Jungle Cruise, another movie that was delayed a year 
um, is now coming out. It's a big, it's a big, big Disney movie. It has The Rock and Emily Blunt. We all see, I believe, we all have this in our top ten, yeah, at least, and fairly high for some of us. I, I unless the movie's like awful, I don't see this not doing well. Is there any, any? Uh, you, are you looking forward to Jungle Cruise? Is the does the is the adventure have you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I love the cast and stuff. Like I. Every now and then, it is possible, at least back in the old days, it is possible for a for a Disney live action thing to totally flop. But nah, I mean, I'm like again, we all pretty much picked this, so I, I can't imagine this isn't going to do pretty well. And I'm looking, and 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 unlike Snake Eyes, uh, yeah, I'm totally looking forward to this. I, I think it looks fun. And and a, is a, the worldwide fa- is a factor as well. Like I can see yeah. this doing okay domestically, but I think worldwide the appeal is there as far as getting this in the same way that like San Andreas for The Rock, which was a movie that did pretty well domestically, but you know made like what 500 million total like around the world. Yes. Like it, it did it did the job. So, because I do think The Rock has a lot of appeal outside of America, right? He's he, yeah. he, he is his his star well, is certainly shining bright in that in that factor. Okay, so I was I was wrong in my you guys shot me down with my comparison, and you it sounds like you guys rightly did in my comparison of In the Heights to <laughs> Greatest Showman, because because you're right, Greatest Showman was a slow burn. I get that. Uh, I would be curious from Scott, who knows so much about box office history. I keep thinking, um, I keep thinking that um, Jungle Cruise is basically going to be like a modern uh, The Mummy, this weird kind of movie with the fun banter, and it's and it's kind of like old '50s style movie making, and it's yes. a, lot, a, a lot more of beloved than you think it would. That's what I know. The Mummy yes. has the whole thing is I think the Mummy was right before Phantom Menace. Is that what it yeah. was? Yeah, yeah, it was early. Yeah, it like for summer '99. Yeah. So anyway, Scott, can you speak to that? Yes. I mean, from the first trailer onward, it's very clear that Disney wants to remind you of the mummy and how much you enjoyed watching Rachel Wise and Brendan Fraser do swashbuckling. Uh, And yes, there's a little bit of Pirates Caribbean, too, in terms of the supernatural menace and what have you. But, you know, this is very much two things. A, it's supposed to remind you of the mummy. B... Like Jumanji, it is an IP exploitation that is going out of its way to look appealing, even if you don't give a shit about the IP. I mean, I think The Jungle Cruise is a perfectly delightful ride. Do I need to see a movie? No. Do I want to see what looks like a really fun movie with Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt doing, you know, basically doing a kid-sized version of The African Queen? Hell yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I mean, of course. Again, it's it's it's. That's the way an IP works. You make a film where the IP is a bonus, not the reason for the season. Unless, of course, you're damn sure that the IP is worthwhile, because there are some exceptions, like Venom, for yeah. example. Uh, um, I, I, I think one interesting thing, it just... I, I hate the concept of Jungle Cruise as a, as a film, um, even though I think it's going to be extremely successful. Because, like, I love The Mummy, um, the ninety. Let me spe- the ninety nine version. Let me specify because I don't you want should, y'all. No, you should you like, should say when you say the mu- no, when you say <laughs> when you say the mummy. People know you're talking about the mummy. If you need to specify want... if you need to specify the cruise one, you say cruise mummy or twenty seventeen mummy. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want I don't want anybody thinking I mean the dark universe. Um, <laughs> dark universe fandom here. And like pirates, 
of the Caribbean was such a delightful surprise. Because, like, for people who've been to Disneyland Disney World, you're like, a movie from that ride? And here we are again, sort of in that space. And, like, it feels like some of indulging some of Disney's worse impulses in terms of in terms of making something like this. I I think it still can be fun. I think The Rock has a lot of person. The Rock and Emily Blunt are two very personable stars. You know, um, we genuinely like seeing them on screen. They've both been in, you know, Disney, other Disney franchise films. Um, it's been marketed for a long time. I just don't. I just don't know if it'll be good, but I don't know if that has anything to do with how it's going to do at the box office. Terrence, you know? were, you a fan? Oh. were you a fan of Blunt, uh, Mary Poppins? Uh, I thought it was fine. Disney. Like, I don't think it, I don't I think it, it, I don't think it really matters for a film like this, like, honestly. Well, just yeah. only because I was thinking of the actress in the studio. That's what, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think there's a good relationship there. We know that it's going to have a gay character, um, which is... Is that The Rock? <laughs> As if the Rock would ever. Please. No. <laughs> Please, the Rock might do that when he's eighty. To be fair, he already off. did it. It'd be cool. One of his first movies. Um, yes. I mean, in like a non-comedic way. I know. Uh, yeah. Jack Whitehall's character is allegedly the gay character. Um, so maybe it won't treat him terribly, and then Disney can have that feather in their cap. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is a young Colette Sarah movie too, right? Yeah, I think I think it has the. I want to give it the same hope that I get. Like, I want to be shocked, like I was shocked with pirates. Like when I heard they were making pirates, I was like, "This is so stupid. That ride is boring." <laughs> and Jungle Cruise is boring, very nice but boring. So like, if it it's can get even fun. half of that kind of energy and feel, um, then it will be, you know, a fun time. It is weird, though. I feel like I'm, I think, Scott, and I know Aaron is going to agree with me. It's strange. I don't love the first Pirates. I understand the phenomenon, I but like I'm, actually, I'm actually more of a Pirates what? 2 and I'm actually more of a Pirates 2 and 3. Wait, no, Aaron, I thought you liked 2 and 3 more also. I didn't say more. Well, 2, I mean, two's the or best. Two, two's two. the best. I, I'm, all, I'm 2 all day. That's yeah. me, but... Yeah. I, <laughs> but but one and two. What's the delusion but on one, this podcast but, right now? But one and but <laughs> one and two. I I mean I gave them about, about the same grade. But uh, but I, but I, no. I, that me liking two a lot doesn't make me dislike one. Whoa whoa whoa! <laughs> I do not dislike one. I like one. I just think it's a little. I feel like it's a little bloated, especially when we're talking. You're about gonna say, like, you're, don't start that. You're gonna say one is bloated in a world where two and three exist. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I guess I. Oh, no, I no like, the first is still kind of bloated. Oh, it, it is, but it's like, yeah. I, if yeah. you're going to compare the films, it's not by which one's the most bloated. They're all bloated. Three yeah. is almost three <laughs> hours. I, mean, I rewatched the first one last awesome. year, and it stuck out to me as, and I still think it's very good, but it now feels like the bloated live-action adaptation of a theoretical Pirates of the Caribbean animated classic. Well, because one has less plot than the other two. Doesn't mean that it's yeah. necessarily better or worse for that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're all bloated films. <laughs> I just the opinion I have yeah. of all of these <laughs> just dropped tremendously. 
Well, I think four um, is a war crime, if that helps at all. So, I don't even. <laughs> I literally, I literally forget that they made any more after the original trilogy. People have to like remind me that there were ones after that. So, I mean, Disney, you know, they're putting a lot of resources into it. So at least, I, th- I think it'll be fun. But I just, I'm like, are we just like when? Are, when are we getting Splash Mountain, the ride? Well, it sounds like never Princess now. Is- yeah, yes. and by that I mean not, you know, Disney taking the Song of the South out of the cement bunker they have it buried in somewhere out in the desert. So yeah, I'm. I think it's going to do a ton of money at the box office. I just don't necessarily care about it. Fair. Outside of this, outside of it helping me win this thing. As far <laughs> yeah, as far as Splash Mountain the movie, I mean, I'm sure like. Rob Marshall or John Lee Hancock will make some like sad awards bait drama about the sad history of Song of the South about making of the the making of the movie and cast like fucking Morgan Freeman and <laughs> just like go for it. Uh, that that'll be the that'll be the Splash Mountain movie <laughs> that we get just some kind of I would die. <laughs> Watch it happen. Watch that get announced. <laughs> I, I no the reason why I said I would die is because I literally could see that happening. Yeah, right. Morgan's probably too old now. Who who would be Uncle Remus now in these days? <laughs> like, that is the perfect age, and you get somebody like him who does not yeah. care mm-hmm. about what the public thinks, and he's old, and they're like, oh, they like Morgan Freeman. They're not going to hate him yeah. for doing this movie about this you know, terrible movie from our past. I could easily see that happening. Um, anyway, <laughs> Jungle Cruise. <laughs> um, next up, we get August here. August 6th, we have The Suicide Squad. This is another, I, I'm curious about this as well, given what the last one did, what the DC Universe did, and the world as we know it now. Because the last one, what, the first Suicide Squad, which is, you know, awful, uh, made over, <laughs> what, made over 700 million, Scott, right? Like, the, some... 745 million without China. Some, yeah. And you won an Oscar. Will Smith. And you, yeah, you had the Will Smith factor. This one is R-rated, doesn't have Will Smith. Um, no Joker. No joke. Yeah, it doesn't have like the buzzworthy things um, at a time when DC was struggling. <laughs> um, this is, I mean, now it's like in this weird nebulous zone, but you also have this kind of changing of the guard as far as how these movies are made. But it's also R-rated, and we're just coming off a year where Birds of Prey underperformed. The Suicide Squad, like, does just the name of that coming back being like, oh, there's another one of these. Does that equal a giant amount of money? I think. By default, it's going to be one of the bigger movies this summer, just because again, everything else that's left is small. You know, it's 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 you know, the first one did what 745. You know, a huge come down would be 400 million, which would still be bigger yeah. than most of what you're going to see this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like Space Jam, for different reasons, it is the biggest question mark of the summer because you have a film whose primary hook is, hey, look, it's a Suicide Squad movie. Uh, Harley Quinn is back for the third time. There's no Joker. There's no Will Smith. There's no Batman. Um, but it does have things like Idris Elba and John Cena, which are, you know, yeah. they're not necessarily drawing the same numbers as Will Smith or, yeah. I don't know, what One the equivalent of, of John Cena would be. I know, but in terms of, of the big draw. yeah, not in terms of like, um, in terms of big draw, yes, I, I can, I can see like, yes, there's a, there's a, an audience there that wants to come with it, but just the presence of these people in this thing that people, yeah, at least have curiosity about, it doesn't hurt, right? Um, but no, I also think you know, and again, it's it's 
if COVID hadn't happened, and obviously there's a lot of if COVID hadn't happened here, Wonder Woman comes out, probably gets mixed reviews like it did, mixed positive reviews. Maybe it doesn't do as well as the first one, but still does a solid $600 million worldwide. A year later, Suicide Squad comes out, and DC Films is kind of on a roll. They've got Joker, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 2, Aquaman, Shazam. Birds of Prey was a disappointment, but it was well-liked and well-reviewed. But because of COVID, Wonder Woman basically got kneecapped. The Snyder Cut came back into the discourse, for God's sakes, because HBO Max was desperate and had nothing else to offer. So now DC Films, despite being on a relative roll since since Wonder Woman, you know, if you don't count Justice League, which was its own weird thing, is kind of back into the, you know, the narrative hasn't changed. So I do think it hurts the film in a way that it wouldn't if it was following a successful Joker, a well-liked Birds of Prey, a successful Wonder Woman 1984. And with the Snyder films being even more ancient history than they are now. Um, having said that, again, by default, unless it absolutely tanks, it's going to be one of the biggest movies this summer because there's not much else out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's pretty much all we need to say about Suicide Squad. <laughs> like, it's just more superhero talk at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, movies that are big probably do well. Uh, how well, that's the kind of determining factor. Um, but let's see. Next up for August, August 13th, we have a few things here. There's one more notable one but there is don't breathe Two, which is a horror movie and cheap and will make what it makes but you know i'm not expecting giant numbers for that um respect um is the aretha franklin film i don't think this falls into like the straight out of compton like secret success that you didn't quote unquote didn't expect I, I think it plays more or less well enough without being like a huge earner um it's on nobody's list but it's it's a notable release and it's been it feels like it's been coming out for a while so yeah um but free guy is the other film that opens up that's the ryan reynolds film that is like ready player one without all the ip which makes me wonder does that make it (laughs) makes me wonder if it has anything to offer outside of well ryan reynolds is in a movie um and it's video games a lot of us have it as a dark horse and that's you know like one or two i think are in the actual list the peter are you looking forward to free guy does this appeal to you you're the gamer yeah, I mean, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I like Ryan Reynolds and I do think that I always have even though I always want a video game adaptation movie to actually be great, I'm always more um I think that the tra- we've discussed this before. I think the track record of films that use video game language like Scott Pilgrim or um Wreck-It Ralph or whatever creatively um they're usually stuff that I enjoy and are usually pretty well liked Scott Pilgrim was a big bomb but I think everyone likes it now I would say so um yeah free guy I'm thinking fun I put it as a dark dark horse in that I do think Ryan Reynolds has something but yeah I'm not sure like but it would it would not surprise me if it is the kind of movie that are like oh yeah pretty fun you know like type of thing it might be terrible though also um neither you scott or terrence you need neither of you have it anywhere here so i'm guessing you don't expect much from free guy at least as far as a top 10 contender um no in this realm i i think ready player one was a movie i wanted to bring up when i was talking about space jam i don't know why i didn't think but um this feels like a poor man's ready player one 
I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I can see that. I can see that. It, it's, Except it's, one has a big movie star and the other one didn't. But you are right. Yes, the, the, I see the, what you're saying. The movie star of Ready Player One was Spielberg is taking all of this stuff you are already aware of and putting it into an action movie. Like that was. Yeah, that's, yeah. Was this, yeah, that's true. Spielberg was the. And, yeah. And that movie made like yeah. what uh, half a billion dollars. So I mean, it's it, it yeah. worked. Five eighty. <laughs> yeah. Including two hundred and twenty-eight in China. There you go. Again, they like foreign films well, that, that and, don't necessarily gender. And that makes me wonder if Free Guy has that going for it as far as, you know, there's video game stuff tends to do well in yeah. China, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Is, is Ryan Reynolds not in Deadpool clothing a big enough star nope. to really carry the thing? <laughs> no. Okay, no. so that's... I mean... Hitman's bodyguard worked because it cost $30 million and because it was the first mainstream star vehicle action movie for Sam Jackson in a decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. did I say that I really liked Hitman's bodyguard and will happily see the sequel? I mean, sure, but when people bring up the t- Detective Pikachu, Reynolds is brought up way more than um, I'm already forgetting. Who's the Parks and Rec guy that is Sonic's voice? Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartzman. I, and I wait. I like Ben Schwartz, but I'm just saying Reynolds is way bigger than Ben. Like people, when they talk about Pikachu, yes, it is the brand of Pokemon, but they really like him as Pikachu. Like that was a big selling point. So I think yeah, that. Did we did we see his face until two minutes before the movie? No, no, <laughs> no, we did. No, but it's his voice. It's his personality. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, first off, you bringing up Detective Pikachu, my mind went to many places except Ryan Reynolds, honestly, because I just don't, I don't associate it with that as far as what? Oh my what, god, I totally think his voice. Really? Wow. I, like, I, I just, I just think of the fact that it's like in terms of this kind of conversation, my thought just goes to it's Pokemon. Of course, it does well. It's yeah. Pokemon. Like Ryan Reynolds is an added value of that. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that's that's a recognizable thing that's involved in this massive successful video game franchise. I'm not saying it does, I'm not saying it doesn't matter to nothing, but in terms, but like just you saying it right now, my I had to like take a few jumps before I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, Ryan Reynolds is in that movie. It just it yeah. just didn't occur to me offhand. Um, but no, he's not a he wasn't a star before Deadpool. He was not a star after Deadpool. And I say that as somebody that thinks he's a you know an enjoyable actor. I like quite a few of his films. He is a very smart businessman who's, frankly, very self-aware about the realities of his place in the industry. You know, he's not stupid enough to say, ooh, I did Deadpool. Quick, someone make me a lead in a $200 million John Carter 2. So, no, he's smart. No, it's, but no, it's, 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 it's yeah. Not, not smart enough to, like, produce films that feature him and, like, you know, younger minorities yeah. that could use, a you know, a help in Hollywood. But, you know, he's, he's doing a good job with the liquor or whatever he sells. Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, you got me. <laughs> you, got the, you got me. Justice Smith, you win again. Um, yeah. I, hope, I hope the Jurassic World, World Fallen Kingdom money really helps out and all that as well. Um, what's, what's next? August 20th. We have, uh, well, we got a few. We, we have Reminiscence. This is a movie we know nothing about yet, besides it stars Hugh Jackman and it's directed by Lisa Joy, right? Um, jo- yes. Jonathan Nolan's better half uh, from Westworld. Um, that's going to be something, I guess, thinking probably more transference money than anything else. Well, I, <laughs> I would say, I guarantee the, you know, the first trailer will end, you know, tra- uh, Reminiscence. It's better than Transcendence. Transcendence, thank you. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Paw Patrol, the movie, opens up. Paw Patrol. 
a wildly popular uh, kid series, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. Yep. Terrence, you have this in your Dark Horses. Mm-hmm. It's a Paramount film that hasn't yet been told that it's going to Paramount Plus, so I guess that's in its favor. <laughs> is uh, is Paw Patrol going the going the distance? I I I assume it has eyes on it. I think it's one of those. You have young kids. They've been watching Paw Patrol. This movie is coming out, and you're going to take them. I assume it's animated, also, right? Because it's just Paw Patrol yeah. movie. So it's not like yeah. Like, it's not like Dora the Explorer, which is like a live action Dora, which which was another was surprisingly like, good. Which was yeah. another, it was a wild card that for many of us that summer too, as far as is this, is this going to make money? Because I th- I think it was in like a Dark Horse category for a lot of us. Um. All right. Well, yeah, that opens on the twentieth. Uh, the end of August, we have Candyman. Uh, another movie that's been delayed over a year. Um, I don't know what to think with, with Candyman. I, I don't know if the if Universal like backs this in a way that puts it into that blockbuster territory. I don't know if Jordan Peele's producing credit uh, that is you know bandied about uh, to get this more attention. If that adds in the way that it you know certainly did for us with him directing as far as being his follow up film or what have you. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the success for Candyman is going to be. I don't know if the IP is even strong enough com- by comparison to other, you know, classic horror franchises um, that will, like, take it over the top. Peter, you have I mean, it in your top I, ten. Yeah, I put it I put it right above Conjuring just in the sense that I do think Peel's name as a producer is or executive producer or whatever is something, and there is some brand recognition. that This one really does, I think... This feels like the kind of thing that it's strange because it's, it's a big universal movie, but it feels like the kind of thing where sort of like Quiet Place 2, it it feels like it should get like a word of mouth going really fast, assuming that people think it's terrific. And I will say this, and this is just a weird me, you know, what is it, armchair quarterbacking type of thing. Nia DaCosta as the filmmaker, isn't she also doing Marvels? I think she is, right? The Marvels. Yeah, she's just the, she's the yes, director yes, of the yes. Marvels. Yes. So the fact that she's doing the Marvels makes me feel a confidence that if if they hired her to do like obviously getting Chloe Zhao, they knew they weren't thinking No Man Land was going to break a hundred million or something. But that makes me think that as a filmmaker, there's a confidence in the work that she had been doing, and I am sure they saw Candyman. So I'm pretty con- that makes me feel like it's probably going to be pretty good. And if a horror movie is at least pretty good, like, I don't know. I can't imagine it doing pretty well. I might be overshooting it because I did name it number nine, but I don't know. I feel like it feels, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I can't Ca- being big. Candyman was like one of my most anticipated films of last year as far as just movies I want to see because I really like the Candyman thing. And yeah. I think the relevance of what Candyman's all about, certainly last year, um, was, um, you know, that's a big that that's gonna play a big role, and I think how what the what try what kind of story the movie's trying to tell and how that can possibly capture the zeitgeist. I don't know if it's you know just by comparison, I, I I don't know how like how much that plays into its box office success. Wish it the best, of course. I just I have I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough because it's like I know a lot of people are anticipating, and I'm anticipating it. I've got it as a dark horse because I think it can perform well. It's one of those things where you're like in the in the space jam but the horror version where i'm like lots of people love the original but like we're far away from when that Mm -hmm. happened 
And it helps when your star, you know, has become universally was in Aquaman and has become one of the sexiest people alive. He's an Emmy winner, right? He won an Emmy for Watchmen. Yeah. Um, And who we have seen. Well, I won't say what I was going to (laughs) say. But like, you know, Yaya is still relatively not well known, even though all of those things have happened. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by what it can do. I don't, quite know if Jordan Peele's name is is enough to get people in. And funny enough, when people mention Jordan Peele, it actually gets people mad about that movie because, you know, Nia DaCosta is the director and they want it to be her to be first, uh, which is great. So I do think it has potential to be a hit and it's in a window where, like, I think Shang-Chi, right, is the weekend after that. Yes. So it's like, it's good counter-programming, but how much like how much is it going to I think it needs to do really, really well that first weekend because it's like Yeah. Are we gonna be on to the other big things that are coming out the weeks after because the summer movie season is forever this year. That's my thought. Like I have no doubt it'll be like a sleeper hit at least. If it does better, great. If it you know on the in addition to ideally it is a you know, just a really good movie. Uh, but we just kinda have to see that said, I mean the you know, they had ads going for like they Universal wasn't like half-assing it as far as the kid they like they were getting things going for that movie before it had to just get pulled entirely from the thing they had different you know intriguing trailers i mean yeah on. they have that that sort of puppeteer trailer yeah. uh-huh. like that that might have been the scariest thing i've ever seen um <laughs> it was just it was just like you're you're just watching history being told by puppets and it was just the the existential dread that i felt watching that thing um <laughs> I was not prepared for. So I do think that they, and I mean, Universal, not for nothing, has really proven that they are like, we're going to give these black filmmakers the budget, the marketing budget to make their movies hits. Um, so I think it could do really well. And they know horror. I mean, look at Cruise Mummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm horror. What? Um, I think I think had the film opened as scheduled in June, mm-hmm. it would have been a monster hit, yeah. at least in North America. I mean, the momentum was there. The trailer is excellent, and yes, you know, this is how Universal got big. Frankly, how they became second to Disney is that they they produced and/or released films that might be considered counter-programming, like Strain of Compton, Trainwreck, uh, Furious Seven. Uh, get out, and they treated them like A plus level events. Um, they they also delivered Jaws in June, <laughs> then invented blockbusters. So, yes, yeah, they have, they, they have they have some history yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> but as for now, I think it's still going to do very well. I just I think you know even last June I figured best case scenario was you know 120 domestic and 250 worldwide, which is amazing for a whole And movie. I still think which, yeah, yeah I mean, we're talking about a movie that you know cost maybe $20 million and possibly a lot less. So yeah, I think it'll do very well. It's just not in my top 10 because, you know, the numbers don't add up. Well, um, let's see. Next up, we have Shang-Chi in September. We talked about that. After that, we have Malignant, the new James Wan film for September, bleh, September 10th. Um, Terrence, you have that as a dark horse. I don't think I'm trying to see anywhere else. Yeah, I think 
from the director of Aquaman, Saw, Insidious, The Conjuring, The Conjuring, um, in your trailer will get people to see this movie. Yeah, I have little doubt of that as well. I just we we know nothing about this so far, if I'm not mistaken, I like know. anything, which I'm intrigued by. That you know makes me excited for a movie, frankly. Yeah, it's like it's too bad that we didn't have like a WonderCon where you popped up at like the Warner Brothers panel and they showed you the tr- that one of the scenes from the conjuring in full and we're like okay this movie is coming out in like two or three months and you're gonna love it (laughs) scott did they did they show anything from malignant at the super exclusive press thing you went to the other day (laughs) they didn't show jack shit (laughs) (laughs) oh really i mean (laughs) you know what warner brothers showed the opening scene of in the heights wow we've all seen because we all went to the Mother's Day thing a couple weeks ago. I mean, it wasn't we. just Warner Brothers. Who, I mean, it, it, who, is, who is this we? You could have went. It was a free preview screening. Who is this we? <laughs> but, um, well, it, it made sense. since I dragged my wife to a movie she didn't want to see on Mother's Day. So she's dragging me on a family vacation on Father's Day. Oh, she really got you. Uh, she really, you know, don't, don't, until you get on one, um, <laughs> do you want to go, go panning for gold, Aaron, where you know there is no gold? <laughs> because if there was gold, they wouldn't be running the gold panning place. They would have taken the gold and used it to buy goods and services. You never know. You could get lucky. You look at Tom Waits in that one segment from the Cullen Brothers movie. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he die at the end of that? I don't remember. No, he made it out of there. Oh, been a while. Well, speaking <laughs> of speaking of gold, the last movie uh, here uh, before yes. the thing ends is, of course, the Boss Baby Family Business. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why you have this in here, but. <laughs> um. Well, the first one made four hundred seventy-five million dollars. Yeah, and if the competition ended three weeks after it opened, then you might be in the realm of getting onto the top ten here, but it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, if you're expecting a worldwide opening of four hundred million dollars, <laughs> I'll just Honestly, ask you: Do you bleed? I did, I, I did not catch the uh, date thing, and I think like, eh, there's not really anything offhand that I think might do that much better. Maybe I should swap out for Candyman. I don't know. I'll I'll be sure to credit you when I see the final total of Boss Baby Family Business and see how much more it makes. Than, see how much more it makes than uh, some of the other movies that we predicted would be in the top ten of the summer. Um, yeah, it's a movie. Okay, well, it is coming out then, and that would bring us to the end of the of the gamble. Uh, with all that said, we've got now we've gone through the summer schedule as when it comes to giant blockbuster movies, and we've taken up way more time than I expected to. <laughs> so, are there any other thoughts on uh, what's co- like what what is what is the movie you're most anticipating this summer that you want to see? Big. Let's do, let's do let's do let's do big big and small. So Green Knight, that's one of them. What like that's actually what I say like it's a smaller movie. What's the, what's the what's the big movie you're looking forward to? Jesus. Um... <laughs> It's not Jungle Cruise, I take it. No. Um, I guess the, I want to say Candyman. I'll go with Candyman. Because this, to be honest, like last year where we did not have a ton of big, mm-hmm. I forgot how boring studio movies can seem to you sometimes. <laughs> last year was such a weird and interesting film year. Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, now I got to get back used to like, the Godzillas and the Mortal Kombat's and the 
space jams and the jungle cruises. I mean, you started being off all strong. in the face all the time. <laughs> I mean, Godzilla was not bad. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. So yeah, it's just yeah, Candyman. I think of of this group and the Green Knight. You're looking forward to and the Green Knight. Absolutely. Peter, how about you? What what's the big and small movies that you're looking forward to? Just two. Man, I don't really know. I'm trying to think what counts as small. Like, hmm. I mean, I got to say, like, honestly, like, wait, are we counting in the heights as big? I mean, it's a Warner Brothers it's movie, big, but like, it's, it's, not, it's not a $300 million budget. It's a big, it's a high budget for a movie. It's yeah. relatively I'm high. considering things that we think are going to be in the top 10 highest grossing movies of the summer are big. That's what I'm, that's what I, that's my scale. Then okay, then I would say uh, yes. I would I would definitely for me personally. I mean I am really excited about I am I am excited about Fast Nine and Shang Chi, but I'm really hoping that In the Heights is actually like really pretty terrific. Um, and I I was not there on Mother's Day, so I have not uh, seen it. Um, as far as small, um, I'm kind of I'm either in the Candyman or in the Malignant thing because I really like James Wan, like so. I would love for this to be something that I don't really know about and is pretty terrific. So that would be awesome. Great. Yeah. Scott? Uh, small films. Uh, I'm being a coward and doing a tie between The Green Knight and Martin Campbell's The Protégé because I'm ride or die for Martin Campbell. Okay. As far as big films, honestly, kind of by default, the Suicide Squad, in that I, I like the director. I like the cast. I like you know I like DC films lately more than I don't, and the what I have the footage I have seen looks like a very entertaining movie. And again, if there were other bigger you know if Jurassic World had stayed, if No Time to Die had stayed, you know et cetera et cetera, that might be a different conversation. But in terms of what's left, Suicide Squad. I, I'm kind of right there with you, like as far as like a big movie goes compared to and I granted you and I have seen in the Heights at this point. So, I mean, it's, uh, yes. I, I'm looking forward to, uh, the suicide squad quite a bit for, for those reasons. And yeah, the green Knight just looks phenomenal. <laughs> like I cannot wait to see what that's going to be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm down, I'm down for that. I'm down for Dev Patel going medieval on, on the asses <laughs> of others in this realm of seemingly horror <laughs> in Arthurian legend. Uh, all right. So he would have cool. made a fun Highlander. Dev Patel seems like he could be a fun a lot of things in terms of like the well, roles he could be yeah. getting. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I uh, I think we've sufficiently gone through all of this for a long amount of time. Um, the, the game is now on as far as how this goes. We will see what happens and see these tiny minute changes and numbers that will uh, be devastating to some of us as the summer carries on. Uh, but I do wish everyone good luck in this contest, of course. And we are going to wrap it up from here. So with all that said, where can people find more of your guys' work online? Let's start with Terrence. You can find me at lenoirtour.net. Um, people who have listened to your podcast for a long time will know how to spell it. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Terrence B. Johnson. It's Terrence with one R, no A. Uh, Peter Paris. Uh, I write for Why So Blue. I actually just wrote a review for uh, the new Resident Evil and I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Pajamo with an O. Scott Mendelson. Uh, I'm still at Forbes.com. Google Scott Mendelson, Forbes, the ticket booth. 
Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson. You can find me at thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. I write for We Live, we Live Entertainment and Why So Blue. You can find this podcast everywhere you can find podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's that's all of that. Thank you, Terrence, Peter, and Scott, for joining me this evening for this summer breakdown. You're very welcome. Yeah, thanks, man. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, the yeah, victor goes spoils. exactly. We're gonna see who the victor will be as we uh, go through what I deem a very exciting summer as far as things getting both back on track but also being wildly unpredictable. But until we so see all that. First place gets a Cadillac. Second place gets steak knives. Third place executed. Or a, minion, or a minion doll, one of those. Um, that but, works too. But yeah, that's, you're fired. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye.